News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. If you have a question or just want to get some tips from Rick, you can give us a call at one 877 332-8255. That's also the same number where you can give us a text. Good morning, Rick. How's it going? Good morning, Aaron. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> this, this weather is, uh, very challenging for gardeners and farmers and, oh, yeah. and fruit growers and everybody in market gardens, everything like. So it's, it's very challenging, but, uh, you know what? You, you never, you never not give a gardener a good challenge and they don't stand up to, to try to defeat it. Exactly. This is when we learn all the fun tips and tricks usually is when you're going yep. through something tough like the the hot, the dry, the smoke. We're kind of getting everything. Yeah, if you can, you know, if you, if everything was just tickety-boo, then it would be too easy, right? So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we wouldn't want that. <laughs> we wouldn't want that, no. It's Speaking of the heat, it, what what's going on with plants right now? It's been so hot the last little while. Are, are people coming in with uh, with issues with the heat? Oh yeah, yeah. They're everything's lettuce, spinach, all those kind of things are bolting like crazy, and, uh, and so people are wondering, how, you know, how come everything's growing? It's like stretching so quick yeah. and bolting, and and it's just the it's just the heat. That's what it is. So uh, you know, and those kind of things, especially those the leafy type of uh, vegetables, if you can, if you can, kind of, you know, some some sun sails or, you know, some kind of a shading, yeah. shading area, then it's huge, right? So um, you might have to set some frames up or something like that or put your lawn chair over top of them or set your, <laughs> your beach umbrella up. You I was going to say I've seen a few beach umbrellas up <laughs> in spots you normally don't see them. Well, it makes a big difference, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it makes a big difference. And then also just, you know, with watering has been a big issue too and, because you know a lot of people they're at home all day long yeah. so they end up just giving it a lot of water in the morning and and then you go from a wet situation to a really dry situation time they get home and and then you then the plants just have all kinds of issues with the wet dry wet dry wet dry right so mm-hmm. that's when you get blossom end rot on your peppers and tomatoes and you start getting you know with that kind of humidity in the garden when the heat's starting to come up you start getting powdery mildew and so all kinds of little things so you just have to be you're a little bit careful about about what you do there, and otherwise, you know, it's uh, it's been mostly insects, though, Aaron. It's, okay. With this, they like the heat. heat too. They like the heat too, and and with the plants when they're not watered as well, of course, the insects suck on like you think of like aphids and spider mite. They suck on the plants. Okay. So if you're not watering your big plants, and then all of a sudden, when all these these um, these insects love it when it's hot, so they reproduce like crazy. And then, um, and then of course they don't, the plants don't have as much moisture to replace what they're sucking. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting the damage on the leaves and the needles dropping off the spruce trees, especially on the inside of them. So you just have to get out there. And, and even if you got these acreages, I've been, I've been, I've been going with a 500 gallon watering tank around in my acreage <laughs> like crazy. It's just making like sure everything's stop. got a little bit of water to get it through. <laughs> exactly. So we're just trying to do is get it through. And uh, we're not so bad in the city because we can actually just turn a tap on. But yeah. a lot of acreages, we just can't turn a tap on our farms and that kind of stuff. And so you just got to give them a supplement. And, um, you know, a lot of times, even the farms, you have these big tanks that you haul water with yeah. where uh, 
for spraying and everything else. So just go out there and give all these big trees a, a little bit of a drink. And that's huge because we just haven't had the rain to, for them to be able to get through this kind of the heat stress and that kind of stuff as well. So we had a lot of legacy and a lot of trees and a lot of windbreaks. So um, especially uh, the homesteads around the yard, you want to basically keep those plants as healthy as possible. All right. We have a couple of uh, calls coming in now, so we'll uh, we'll dive right in. We'll start off with uh, Joanne in Regina. Good morning, Joanne. What's your question for Rick today? Yes, good morning. I have a sriracha pepper plant. It's growing like crazy, and it keeps blooming, but it's not producing any fruit. Yeah, what you want to do with this heat, you don't see the bees around as much either, right? So right. Uh, what you want to do is you want to be the bee. So go from plant to plant, flower to flower, even on the same plant. And then be the bee with a with a Q-tip, okay? Oh, okay. And then, so you're gonna have to do some pollinating. So, um, yeah, even the bees have been having trouble getting around with this kind of heat. So, mm-hmm. yeah, with those veg- with those vegetables, tomatoes, peppers, uh, cucumbers, uh, pot- pumpkins. Sometimes you gotta just be the you know in this kind of stressful times, you just gotta be the bee. Okay, and just I would pollinate. Use... Go. Yep. Go ahead. I would use the same Q-tip, just like for the whole plant. Yeah, whole plant and go from other plants. If you have other plants, you know, if you have other peppers. I, I, I do have well. another pepper and I have some cucumbers and some tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, just keep, a bee just travels back and forth. It just doesn't stay on the same plant. It runs back and forth, back and forth. And then you get the cross-pollinization, just keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and especially between same varieties, like peppers to peppers, mm-hmm. you know, cucumbers to other cucumbers. Right. Uh, it's and But going from flower, because a lot of them have male and female flowers on the same plant. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep going crisscrossing, back and forth, crisscrossing. Just go back and forth. Just don't go one cycle around, because that mm-hmm. won't do it either. you got to crisscross everything else with the Q-tip, and that'll be a huge difference, okay? All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Joanne. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right, we'll go to Mary in Regina. Hi there, Mary. What's your question for Rick today? I have um, a row of Brandon cedars, and one of them, last year I decided had spider mites. So this spring I've sprayed it three times with malathion. But yep. today I looked at it, and I see that some of the bottom parts of the plant are turning dark, brown almost black it was almost black at the base of the tree okay black to purple color then that's a dog lifting its leg on the on the plant okay? i don't have a if dog. it's right at the base don't have a dog don't have a neighbor's dog that's because they no. they love the smell of cedars okay no so and I, okay. after after i had sprayed it like just recently i made sure that i cut off everything that looked you know dead or anything but now like i can see where i've cut off you can see part of it's green but other parts of it are dark dark brown yeah just dark what i was do is is uh is there again make sure that take your magnifying glass out there make sure you don't have a spider mite in the bottom but it's on the tips you said though right not in the inside or is it on the inside on the outside that's where i can see it yeah, the outside wouldn't be spider mite. The in- spider mite start from the inside and work their way out. So okay. what you want to do is with that plant, just um, probe the soil around it, okay, to check moisture levels, okay, mm-hmm. and then just see whether whether the moisture level is okay there in that spot. Otherwise, what you may want to do is even just bring a sample into your local garden center and just uh, they might want to check it out to see whether there's a fungal in, in that plant, okay? 
And oh, okay. uh, if it is if it is a fungal, then you just have to spray some uh, Bordeaux or copper sulfate on it. And mm-hmm. uh, but you may want to check that out. But first of all, just check the moisture out. Find out whether it's too wet or too dry. And so you need to check down about 12 inches, okay? And okay. then if it's too wet, if it's too wet, aerate, okay, around the plant. If it's too dry, give it a little bit more moisture. Okay, then thank you. You're Thanks, welcome. Mary. Okay, we are going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more of your calls and texts. I see uh, Barry is waiting on the line, so we'll uh, we'll get to Barry right after this break. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Welcome back to Garden Talk on this Sunday morning. If you have a question for Rick, you can give us a call at 1-877-332-8255. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyke from Dutch Growers. And Rick, we have a couple people waiting for us on the line, so we'll just dive right in. We'll start off with Barry. He's been waiting for us since just before the break. Hi there, Barry. What's your question for Rick today? Hi, good morning. Um, good morning. I have a question. I've got a row of towering poplars and uh, also some uh, newly seeded or newly planted Colorado spruce that I put below them. Anyway, the, the poplars, I've noticed uh, the leaves are starting to curl on them. They're, they're an established poplar, and there's some black dots or holes on the backs of the leaves, and the Colorado spruce that I planted in the spring are struggling as well. I'm just wondering uh, what I might be up against. Yeah, well, well, if they're curling, that's usually a heat stress, okay, curling upwards. Um, so, and then even the spots, so just make sure, probe the soil, you know, at least down 12 inches down at least for the trees, even up to 16 inches. Uh, the spruces you don't have to do because they're fairly new to planted, but they're struggling because it's heat too. I had a picture just the other day of all the, the new growth just drooping down, right, and uh, with newly planted plants, and uh, it was planted just last year, but... Uh, they're all struggling with the heat because they don't have their whole root system established yet, and they don't have that their roots down into where they can get the subsoil moisture. So um, you just got to probe the soil. I like using that piece of rebar, 3 inch rebar, because it has the ribs on it, and it goes down the soil pretty nice and brings up a sample, and so it makes them a good moisture meter. And um, just check that and, and see how the plants are doing. Um, that's the biggest one. The the only thing you have to watch with the um, with the tower poplars are they Swedish aspens or are they tower poplars? They're tower poplars. The tower poplars. The biggest yeah. thing you have to watch for those is is a bore. But then you'll start seeing the the top of the tree starting to you know lose leaves and starting to die out, and that's an insect that bores into the trunk and then mines on the inside, right? And that's the biggest one. And I've been having issues with a lot of and poplars. People calling in saying they got black spots on their willows and poplars. And that's yeah. a leaf a leaf miner started showing up. So if you open up the leaves, you'll find a little worm in between the layer of the leaf. And that's a leaf miner. But there's the problem with the leaf miner is that there's no insecticide that can get them. So you just got to keep the tree healthy, keep it growing. And, uh, and usually leaf miners, unless it's a very, very severe infestation, it won't hurt the tree. Okay. Good deal. Okay, so, so check for the leaf miner, and uh, otherwise just watch your moisture and get them through this heat and the insects, and you'll be okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Barry. Okay. Have a good day. You Appreciate too. Appreciate the help. Bye-bye. Okay, we'll jump over to Veronica in Regina. Hi there, Veronica. What's your question for Rick today? Uh, for alfalfa pellets, do you just throw it on the garden now, or do you rototill it in? No, you can put it on now and just work it into the top part of the soil. But or what if you, you have can, your garden in, so... Yeah, 
Yeah, just just lightly work it in. Just with you know, with your with your little with a rake or you know, just lightly rake it into the surface. I'm not trying to get it break the roots or anything in the plant. I'm just just getting in touching the soil. Or what you can do is you can also make a tea, right? Put one eighth cup per liter of water. Okay. And uh, and then make it let it brew overnight, and then just pour it along your plants. So that's what I've done to all my plants around the yard here, and uh, that makes a big difference as well. Okay, so you just boil it or whatever, and then nope, just no, nope, no, nope, don't have to boil it. Just put it in a five-gallon pail, and okay. just just put uh, basically a couple cups of alfalfa uh, pellets into a five-gallon pail. Stir it up, let it sit overnight. In the morning, stir it up again really well, and then pour it along, and then you'll have a bunch of brine, which also go on the soil. That's fine, and then the the fluids, all the all the nutrients and all the bacteriums that are in the, the alfalfa will, will go down with the water to the root system, and then okay. your plants will just love it. Okay, and then in spring, just throw it in the garden and rototill it in, too? And rototill it, yep, exactly. The same time you get your garden ready to plant, put the alfalfa pellets on the top and rototill it in, and then you're good for the season. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks, Veronica. You're welcome. Have a good day. You, too. All right, we're going to jump over to Esther Hazy. We have Marie waiting on the line. Hi there, Marie. What's your question for Rick today? Hi there. Um, I have a, a new garden that I'm digging up, uh, and it hasn't been used for a lot of years. And on the property, there is a tree line with a lot of uh, debris, like leaves and grass and all dead stuff underneath. Is it a good idea to dig a lot of that stuff up into the garden? Yeah, it's all it's all leaf mold and compost and everything else. It's great. Um, okay. Just have to watch. Just have to watch because uh, how don't dig too deep into it because your trees are feeding on all that that compost everything as well and there's sometimes there's roots all through that right so you just have to be careful there that you don't dig down too deep into it but uh, but otherwise yes um, not a problem at all that they'll love all that old compost your garden will just it'll do perfect. So, so is it a good idea to, to dig it in as I'm laying it on the garden, or should I just lay it on top to control the weeds for this year and then just rototill it in like in the fall or something? What's the better way of yeah. doing that? You could do either one. You could either wait till okay. spring and just work it in, or you could put it down on top of the soil. Like I said, it'll, it'll help retain moisture in the garden right now, too, by putting a, a compost or a mulch or you know uh, anything like that to retain moisture with this heat stress right now. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Marie. You're welcome. Okay. All right, we have Rosemary waiting for us in Battleford. Good morning, Rosemary. What's your question for Rick today? Oh, hi. Uh, I was wondering about my rhubarb. It just uh, kind of turned red and then just fried and died. I don't know. Yeah. Is it a disease or was it the weather? Well, what you, it can be the weather, okay, because I don't want to be, I don't want to worry too much, but there's also another thing called, and you can look it up, you know, when you just look it up in your, your browser and your computer, but look up red leaf disease in rhubarb, okay? Okay. If it is red leaf disease, then, uh, then there's nothing to do other than removing the plant because it will slowly decline the plant and die, okay? And if you have other rhubarb, then it will spread to those as well, okay? So... But just check if it's red leaf. But don't, but also don't want you to be careful. Don't just don't don't dismiss it just being a heat stress. Okay, but but usually rhubarb can get through heat pretty good. They love it dry. So um, so I would just watch for uh, is it just a few leaves or is it a lot of leaves that's happening? Pardon? 
Is it a few leaves or is it all the leaves? Everything red? just went, died. I was yeah. wondering, like, will it come up again or is it done? Is it gone? It, if it's totally gone, it, it might come up again. So what you want to do is probe the soil around it, okay, down about 8 to 12 inches down and just see what the moisture is like there. If it's bone, bone, bone dry, then give it a bit of water, okay, but don't overwater it because uh, rhubarb don't like to be really wet, okay. And so just give it enough moisture just to help it get through the heat part of the stress, and then, uh, and then it would come up next year. Just A lot of times they go into, they go into survival mode, and that's their way of surviving because there's such big leaves on a rhubarb that if there's no moisture there at all, then, then they, they just go into survivor mode and they just go dormant. And so they'll, otherwise they'll come up next year again, okay? So if it was that disease, uh, will it have it when it comes up again, if it comes up? Yep. Yeah, it's, it'll be in the roots, so you have to remove the whole root and, and get rid of it and replant. Oh, okay. But don't replant in the same location. Plant in a different spot. Okay. Okay. Okay, thank you for your help. You're welcome. Good luck. Bye. Bye now. All right, we can get to a text or two before we head to our news break. Uh, we'll jump over to this question from Wanda in Saskatoon. Tomato leaves turning yellow at the base of the plant. What could be the cause? Yeah, a lot of times it's two things. One is nutrients. Uh, if you haven't done any fertilizing or that kind of stuff, I mean, the, they're all hungry right now, right? Because yeah. they're, they're trying to go, th- they're trying to, you know, um, they're trying to survive this heat, but they're also, you know, taking up mo- a lot of moisture. And with that moisture, you're watering more. And then you're also, you know, you're also leaching a lot of nutrients out of the soil. So, um, might be time to add some more nutrients to your, your plants. And remember, low nitrogen. Mm-hmm. You don't want tomatoes to have a high nitrogen, just low nitrogen, more of the, the phosphorus and, and potassium, and also all the, all the micronutrients, especially like calcium, boron, magnesium. All those kind of things keep the tomato very healthy. Uh, so watch for that. And also, there again, um, consistent moisture. I, I can't stress that more. Yeah. Uh, just keep it nice moisture. Don't go wet, dry. And, and you, that's usually those kind of stresses will cause yellow leaves at the bottom as well. Especially right now with all this uh, all this heat and then not much yeah. of a cool down at night, they probably need a little extra watering or just a little extra monitoring. little extra monitoring, exactly. Perfect. We are going to take a quick break for news and then we'll be back with more Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. If you have a question or are looking for some tips from Rick, you can give us a call or a text. It's all one number, one 332 8255 And while we were in the break, we got a pretty interesting text. We'd been talking about it a little bit earlier in the show about pollinating plants using a Q-tip because, you know, bees are having a bit of a tough time with this heat and just getting to the gardens that they need to. So we got a tip from uh, Ken in Saskatoon on the text line that we wanted to to bring up because it's a, it's a good one. Um, he says, to pollinate canola flowers at Ag Canada Research, we use thick camel hairbrushes and it works really well. There you go. Kind of an yeah. interesting concept. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, because a lot of times when they're, when they're trying to get some new varieties and that, they have them all tented up, right? So then yeah. they need to be the, they need to be the bee. And so, because um, they don't want to cross pollinization, right? So mm-hmm. they they be the bee themselves. So that's they're using all kinds of things. So that's a good one because uh, obviously they've tried a lot of different things in the yeah. research. So they that'd be that's a good one. 
they're the ones that would probably know best what to, <laughs> what to give a try to. <laughs> Perfect. Um, we have a few texts that we can get to. Uh, this one coming from Taylor in Moose Jaw. I've planted three Minnesota snowflake mock orange bushes, and I have one that seems to be struggling. They all face south and are watered daily at night. They were planted with mics about two weeks ago, along with topsoil. They are also covered with black mulch. What can I do to help them? Okay, so what I suggest you do then is just pull that black mulch uh, away from away from the plant, just around the planting hole. Just move it back away from it. And then that way you can actually check the soil moisture and just probe the soil moisture both in two places. One in the soil that's around the plant, right down to the bottom of the planting hole. Okay. Okay. So you, because I want to see whether there's too much moisture at the bottom of the planting hole. Because sometimes when we dig into clay, we dig a bowl, basically. Because that clay is hard. Yeah. Right? So I just dug a hole just here yesterday, and it was so hard. I was taking a pickaxe to get down to dig it out. It was, the clay was so hard. So you can imagine that clay, once you put water into it, it's not going to disperse very good into the soil around it. It's going to yeah. hold there. And so um, and so, I want you to check the moisture in the bottom of the hole, but I also then want you to stick your finger into the root ball itself and see whether it's wet, wet or dry, okay? Because, uh, and, and that's the way I want you to water it because sometimes the, with, with the new plant, uh, you don't with the mulch over top. You just don't see what's going on, mm-hmm. and so it could be too wet or too dry underneath that mulch, and you don't know how much water to give it. Well, when you stick your finger into that root ball, you'll know. And when you stick the probe like a piece of rebar down to the bottom of the planting hole, then you can see whether it's too wet down there. And if it is, just go around in about four or five places around the plant and just poke it right down to the bottom of the planting hole, and it's aerate if it's too wet at the bottom. Okay. And then, um, and then, then it'll be fine because with that mulch on top, if you've been watering every day, especially a lot of water, you might be, you might have filled that bowl up, and the plants is sitting in water, and oh. uh, and you don't even know it. Yeah. So just have to do a a, a quick double check to see what's going yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. So I always check, just probe the soil rather than go on a schedule every day. Just probe the soil when the plant actually needs the moisture. Give it then. All right. Um, we have a text about tomato plants. Um, not sure the variety, but they're on a drip and fertilized regularly with a tomato fertilizer. They're growing well. The question is, uh, they're hearing calcium is important, yet purchased tomato fertilizer and it doesn't list calcium. What the, or will this cause any issues and how much uh, can they be pruned? Um, they can start being pruned now because we're starting to get later in the summer, especially mm-hmm. if you've got in, indeterminate tomatoes, yeah. which means indeterminate means they just keep growing up and up and up. Okay. And so you can always pinch them if you want to get them to, you know, really start branching out and fruiting. And, um, uh, but, uh, the question, um, just curious if they need calcium in the fertilizer. The calcium. Yeah. Calcium, the fertilizer There's not a lot of fertilizers that do have calciums except for more of the organic fertilizers have more calcium. Okay. Or, like I said, the alfalfa pellet, put an alfalfa pellet tea. Uh, there's lots of calcium in alfalfa pellets. So, um, um, but yeah, just finding the right fertilizer that has calcium. Or you can, there's one fertilizer made by Dirt and Grow, Evolve. It, it is a calcium uh, plus, and it's, it, uh, it's especially made for, you know, tomatoes, peppers, and those kind of things. And just gives them that little extra, it gives them a little extra health boost to resist doing blossom end rot and those kind of things. And um, so, calcium is a pretty essential for most vegetables. Okay. 
Um, this one coming from Lori in Langham. Last night in Langham, we had a huge amount of dragonflies in every size. Do you know if they're coming from the north, maybe looking for water? Hmm. Yeah, it could be. I mean, usually you get dragonflies. It usually means that there's an influx of mosquitoes around, right? And yeah. other insects. So um, because they lay their eggs in the ponds and places where it's wet and those kind of things. And so um, dragonflies are good. I mean, they and they could have been blown in. Yeah, I mean, from all year, this we, wind. One year, if you remember, it was quite a few years ago, though, but we had a big wind from the south and it blew a whole bunch of monarch butterflies into our area. Oh, you know? cool. Which was not normal. It's yeah. just that with the wind, they got blown in, you know. So so that can happen as well. Uh, but usually it's a cycle. This time of the year, all the, if you notice, um, I hear in a lot of the lakes, they're all talking about, you know, the, the amount of weeds that are in growing in the lakes right now with mm-hmm. this heat. And uh, so uh, we, when you get those weeds, that this perfect habitat to, to lay eggs and, and grow for those uh, dragonflies. So you're just going through a cycle right now. And uh, but just remember, dragonflies are your friend. Yeah. So they're great was, to have in the yard, especially you know if you're trying to get out there at night. Get they get rid of some of those mosquitoes. Oh, and and they used to when we used to hold it in the fields, they used to land on her head. And we used to hold it. <laughs> Hold in the fields. Yep. And they used to catch the deer fly and, and the horse flies. So we used oh, really? to love them. Yeah, that'd oh, yeah, be great because those bites they'd, are not fun. <laughs> they'd pick they'd, those things, they'd pick those flies right off the top of your head when you're out in the field. It was awesome. <laughs> the best friend to have out there. It's scary at first because, you know, those things zoom right yeah. in your head, you know, but then you realize what they're doing and you figure, okay, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. Um, We have a question from uh, Nikki in Regina. I bought a house with an established apple tree, and I'm not sure how to take care of it. I've ignored it, but I noticed it's not producing as much apples as it did in the first year that we had purchased the property. Yeah, so just watch you there again. Um, Plant The plants, usually apples will, if you're under stress, they'll produce more fruit. But too much stress, then they abort a lot of the fruit and won't grow as much, right? So okay. you have, there's a balance always. So just make sure that, you know, through this heat that you're you're doing some, some watering, using some deep watering. I like using, a, especially for older trees, I like using that Ross root feeder because you can actually stick the probe, hook it under your garden hose and stick the probe into the soil, okay. you know, down 12, 16 inches in the ground and you water down there rather than at the surface, right? Where And you do it at the drip line of the tree and... Uh, that way you're getting a lot of the roots that, that can survive this kind of heat when there's some subsoil moisture um, because the surface moisture is just being eaten away by the grass or yeah. other shrubs around and that kind of stuff and just or just evaporation. So having that subsoil moisture is huge for all these big trees. And then um, if you haven't, this is a, we're still about July the 15th, just give it one shot of a fertilizer, more of a, a, a fruit and vegetable um uh, fertilizer so it doesn't have a high nitrogen it has all those other nutrients in it uh this would be the last time you could uh, about the middle of july to fertilize it just give it a fertilizing and then that'll set it up for next year perfect we are going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to answer more of your questions you can give us a call or text at one 332 8255 this is garden talk on 650 ckom and 980 cjme you're listening to Garden Talk here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. We we're talking about it a little bit in the break here and just sort of seeing a theme in our text messages this morning. So let's talk fertilizer. What should people be doing right now when it comes to fertilizer, Rick? 
Yeah, well, you probably heard me all through the show, is all through the season. Mm-hmm. Basically, May the 10th through July the 15th is when you want to fertilize uh, your, your plants. So we're now at that spot right now when if you haven't fertilized in the last at least three weeks, uh, then you need to start fertilizing. Do one last fertilizing to all your shrubs and trees. Uh, if it was if it's a maple or a birch tree, I would suggest just skip it now and just leave it because uh, otherwise they just tend to want to uh, keep growing right through the season. Okay. So, uh, but all your other trees, lindens, poplars, um, you know, mountain ash, uh, all those type, any kind of other tree, your fruit trees. Uh, you can give them one last fertilizing. All your shrubs, uh, you can give them one last fertilizing. You, shrubs, you can get away with going up to about August the 1st with most of your shrubs. And uh, so, um, and then also your grass. Um, right now, with all the water you've been putting on your yeah. grass, uh, the nutrient, the nitrogen is gone, depleted, right? So, you want to keep it healthy, just give it a, a, a fertilizing right now. And then you do your fall fertilizing, you know, in the first, second week of September. And then you're set to go for the whole season. So, uh, and you just keep your, your lawn a lot healthier, especially to get through the wintertime. So, um, so yeah, now's the, now's the time to, to get out in the garden. And, and even you heard most of the calls yeah. talking about, you know, putting calcium. And so finding a good, a good fertilizer that has all those micronutrients in it, whether it's organic or not, you'll find most organic has a lot of the, the um the micronutrients in it but a lot of the other fertilizers do as well so uh just check so that it has uh, uh in vegetables don't use a high nitrogen that's the key okay uh is just basically if the first number should be anywhere from two from two up to a maximum of 12 okay? okay so if you're sitting around six or eight that's perfect right now and for nitrogen and the phosphorus potassium uh, those can all just sit in there in a nice range. It, it, uh, it's not as critical as as the nitrogen is. You don't want to bolt those plants in this heat yeah. uh, with a, with putting on something like a 20-20-20 uh, in your vegetables. That will just make them bolt like crazy, and you don't want them to do that right now. You want them to actually start producing your fruit that you want, your vegetable that you want, rather than producing all this green top. Okay, that's important. Yeah, just make sure you're getting the the fertilizer for what you need or, you know, has all the yep. nutrients that'll give it that extra boost to get through the season. Yeah, and or just stop by your local garden center and uh, the whatever town you're in or city you're in and or greenhouse and they can help you out with the with the proper fertilizers uh, and give you the right recommendation. Not a bad deal. We have uh, a few texts that we can get to here. Um, this one is asking, this is from Chip in Regina. When is the best time to move or prune leaves, uh, leaf shrubs like dogwood? Oh, dogwood, you can do light pruning right through the season. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but you, otherwise, you're going to do a major pruning. Do it when the plant is dormant, so either in the fall. Uh, basically, that is basically in October, November. Mm-hmm. Or otherwise, you do it in spring, March, or the first week of April if you're doing a major pruning. But light pruning, uh, there's lots of people who sculpture the plants and just give them a little light pruning and we also have nature with the deer coming through and pruning your, yep. <laughs> your dogwoods and nine barks. They do it all the time anyway. So the, you know, it's the way, the way nature has its nature pruners out there, just uh, fixing the plants up and nibbling off the tips and making them branch out and fill out better too. So you can do that just like you would do a, a hedge, right? You trim mm-hmm. a hedge three or four times a summertime and you could do a light pruning with those nine barks and dogwoods just to keep them nice and full of spireas. Now your spireas and most spireas are finished their flowering. 
uh, now's a good time to deadhead them. Get rid of that old uh, brown uh, seeded seeds that grew from the flowers, and then they'll push up a little bit of growth. So take more than just the flowers. Take a little bit of the leaves as well, and then you'll push out new growth, especially for your golden spireas, like your magic carpet, your gold mounds, and those kind of things, your your gold flame spireas. Okay. And they'll put on a new copper growth, and they look really good for the rest of summer. Just take your hedge clippers and just give them a little trim, and uh, that now's the time to do that as well. It's perfect. Is this an okay time to move them to, or should you wait until they're a little more dormant? Definitely do not want to move anything right now in this kind of heat. Yeah, uh, yeah. you want to wait until they're dormant in, in this fall, or otherwise do it the, as soon as the frost is out. So around April the 15th, uh, then you do a lot of your moving then. It's actually the best time to move them. Then there's no shock going through the winter time. Um, so that's why I tend to do it like I like spring planting better than I like fall planting. Yeah. And uh, for transplanting. Um, but so um, it's, but some people just have to move because they're doing a, you know, they're doing a renovation yeah, or building a garage. Up, whatever you're changing doing. things up. Yeah. So then sometimes you just need to do it. But, uh, but yeah. So if you move it now, yeah, it's, pretty much it's not going to make it if yeah. you move at this time of the year some perennials you can get away with it i've we've done some renovations of yards where we came in and this time of the year but well i've taken a good clump of earth with it mm-hmm. and just put it into a pot and then just put it into the shade so that it doesn't go through a stress part and then i was able to replant it again once we got the landscaping all shaped up and ready to replant again just needs maybe a a, a little bit of a wait and then you could yep. maybe give it a go at the end of the season end of the season yep or you know or just a little bit later on or just when, wait it out when, wait it out when the heat just dissipates just a little bit all right uh we have a question from betty should you water your lawn after cutting it yeah you can water your lawn in fact in this kind of heat if you can hold off during the really hot days by not cutting it in the really hot days it's actually better for your for your grass to be in this heat uh you'll notice i mean I even look around the acreage here, the areas where I, I went through and I had, I had to cut a pathway through of the really long grass and it was green. But as soon as I cut it, it was all brown. Oh, so okay. it stays nice and green when it stays long. Mm-hmm. And so for this time of the year, if, if you uh, if you can wait, you know, because it's not growing much a lot unless you're putting a lot of water and fertilizer to it. Yeah. And uh, so if you can, you should keep your lawn at least two and a half inches long. Okay. Okay. And out in the, out in the country, I like I set my lawn more to four to four and a half inches long, and so I just keep it a little bit longer. And so uh, the plant, the grass can can handle the stress um, way better than if you're cutting it down to like an inch and a half, two inch, you know, high. And some people they're cutting it nice and short. They want to be able to get their putter out there, you know, and put the put the the golf yep. ball on the, <laughs> on the grass, right? And so those are tougher. You just gotta if you do that, you just gotta you gotta use a little more moisture. Uh, just like the golf courses do, and uh, just keep it keep it a little more hydrated because they do tend to dry out when the grass is shorter. All right, one last quick one before we head to break here. Uh, I want to sod my existing lawn. How should I prep it? You prep it just like you would do seed or anything else. You have to level it, and so you need to have a rake and, and rake it out. And and actually, I like pulling a pulling a ladder or a board or something like that. Okay. To get all the little dips and doodles out, so you got something a little wider, right? So you can. Do a little bit wider level, and if you can pull that around, I mean, on the acreage, I, I pulled a, a ladder around and put a couple boards on top of it for so some weight, and I just dragged it around with the quad runner, right, and just uh, 
and level that out really nice and then make sure that you've got any soft spots that you pack them down with a lawn roller or something like that and uh so that you know when and then just make sure you it's nice and level and then you're good to go to put it down and just keep it moist that's the key is keeping it moist once you got it down and um, you can even use some starter fertilizer on it to get it established a little quicker it's a it's a lawn starter fertilizer you can use it for seed or for sod and it just helps those roots get established just a little bit quicker Perfect. We are going to take a quick break for news and then we'll be back with more Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.